and welcome to episode number 173 of the Lions Podcast presented by BetMGM. My name is Matt Brown, joined each and every week by Stephen Andrews, where we go through all the big bets, all the big happenings, all the crazy goings ons in here, this crazy gambling world of ours. And man, you want to talk about crazy, we got crazy for you, and we're going to kick things off. I'm not even waiting, Stephen. We're going to talk about the NBA playoffs here, and this has been a story of a season of injuries and then it trickles into the playoffs as well. And then it becomes a major, major story injuries of now that it is confirmed and we're recording this on Thursday morning, Thursday, mid morning, it is confirmed that Giannis is going to miss uh, at least a little bit of time for the bucks in the playoffs. And with that, he makes the 10th, 10th all-star who has missed at least one game in the playoffs, just in the playoffs, 10 different all-stars have missed at least one game in the playoffs. And um, I just, look, we have a team advance in the Phoenix Suns and you could make the argument, despite the fact that they had to play two games earlier in the series, not Chris Paul, but it wasn't an injury. It was a COVID situation, but you could argue that the Suns basically just are the team that made it right. Like they just, they were the team that outlasted everybody else because they didn't deal with a serious injury in a critical part of the season. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw Jeff Sherman from the Superbook out in Vegas joking that uh, the sons of the Western conference attrition champions this year. So uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's wild. They, they, if they win the title and and as we record this, they are just, you know, huge favorites right now. Minus 200, I think at bet MGM to win the title. Uh, they will have gone from the favorites in the NBA Finals after being the biggest preseason long shot to win the title if they pull it off uh, since the records were kept back in 1985. The the next closest long shot was the Golden State Warriors when their dyna- before their dynasty started the first year of that 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 run 28 to one. The Suns were 40 to one, and I believe at the start of the postseason when they were the first two seed ever to be an underdog to a seven seed in the first round with the Lakers being the defending champs, I believe the Suns were 60 to one to win the NBA title at that point. So uh, it's just been a, a wild postseason, a more compacted season than we've seen with the aftermath of the bubble and COVID. Uh, I'm not sure that there's many takeaways to a, a normal season in future years to come here from this, but um, hey, I mean, we said that the path for the Suns was manageable and the and the odds and the number didn't fit, considering that the two favorites in the West were going to have to face each other before the conference finals. And we cashed in on that value. And, um, you know, it, we'll see who they play in the Eastern Conference. But this Suns team has been impressive and they have been healthy, most importantly. Suns, as you mentioned, Suns minus 190 to win it all. Bucks plus 280 and the Hawks plus 600 at six to one. I got to admit, Stephen, listen, if I am out there and I have a bankroll to where I just want to make fun bets and I don't necessarily have the bankroll to lace, let's say a minus 190 on the Suns. The Hawks at six to one with Giannis missing and Trey likely back and or at some point in this series, because he's his is more of a pain management type of thing. Um, I I don't know. I holding a six to one on the Hawks. If I wanted a fun bet, I think uh, I think I could get in there. Of course, 
we we've documented this on this deal. I I'm not because I'm holding a 33 to one on the Suns to win it all right now. Uh, just just got a 16 to one on the Western Conference home. So I won't be making that bet. But I think if I were, let's just assume that my slate was clean and I was coming in, um, you know, getting six to one on the Hawks, it's way, way better you're good than that you're going to get if uh, if they do advance. And so uh, I think that's probably the way if I had to pick one of the three bets, because there's only three bets we can make at this point, be the Suns at wine minus one ninety, the Bucks at plus two eighty or the Hawks at six to one. I think my choice would probably be the Hawks at six to one. Yeah, I think the question you have to ask right now is, are the Suns so dominant that they should be minus two hundred favorites if uh, mm-hmm. We don't know for sure if, if Giannis is going to return in this postseason. I have to believe Trey Young will return at some point. It's not a serious injury for him. It's just a deep bruise. Um, so are are the Suns really that big of a powerhouse in the NBA Finals to be favored at that point? I mean, I think if Giannis was healthy, the Bucks would still be the favorites to win the NBA title, even though mm-hmm. they have not advanced yet to the NBA Finals. Uh, so... I mean, but there's nothing we can do from that point as a a sports better. You know, we have no idea what his status is going to be moving forward here. Uh, There have been some numbers to show, and it's not – I wouldn't say it's reliable. I mean, it's a small sample, but in games where Giannis hasn't played, the the Bucs have been successful. Um, But they are also a lot more thin than the Hawks are. Uh, They went all in on depth. Uh, are all in to get Drew Holiday and, and Chris Middleton, and their depth has suffered because of that. The Hawks are a much deeper team. So, I mean, if this is a situation where, obviously, when we record this, we know Giannis isn't playing Game 5. We don't know about a Game 6 and a potential Game 7. But, um, yeah, I, I would be willing to roll the dice on the Hawks at this point at those at those numbers, considering that even though the series price has the Bucks still as a slight favor to win this series, I would prefer taking the Hawks right now, given that mm-hmm. they're going to get at least one game not having to face Giannis. I agree. And the NBA Finals odds are out uh, in NBA Finals odds MVP. Um, Chris Paul plus 160. Devin Booker plus 225. Giannis is at four to one, despite the fact that, you know, we don't know his his status with with that knee injury. Trey Young, seven to one. Again, still not fully understanding his status. Chris Middleton, 16 to one. DeAndre Ayton, 22 to one. Everybody else after that is 100 to one or longer. Um, I think the case could be made if you just wanted to kind of draw a line to one of these longer shots. I think the case could be made for Middleton if you wanted to have a 16 to one in your pocket, because for them to win the NBA finals with a, let's just assume at least an ailed Giannis, I can't imagine this knee is just going to magically heal itself. If it's bad enough for him to have to miss a game, it's not going to be, you know, magically healed by the time the finals roll around. So you are going to need a Herculean performance from Middleton in order to get that done. So you can at least draw a line to Middleton at 16 to one and how he could win finals MVP. I mean, listen, is it likely to be Chris Paul or Devin Booker? The answer is yes, obviously, but that's why they're plus 160 and plus 225. But if we wanted to draw a line to one of the longer shots here with Giannis being hurt and likely either, you know, maybe out again, we don't know what the, what the length of this injury is going to be for him, but, or at least hobbled. I think we could feel 
pretty sure about that. Uh, Middleton's going to have to have huge games if they have any chance whatsoever of winning. So you can at least draw a line to him at 16 to one. And he's going to get huge minutes. We already know that because they don't have a lot of depth and he's going to get huge usage. If, if Giannis is banged up for the rest of the postseason, Uh, we have seen plenty of cases over the past decade or so of top scorers on teams that were the underdog going into the NBA finals, pull the upset and, and win finals MVP. There've been a lot of those. The one thing I would caution is getting too deep down that finals MVP list, because if you look at the past mm-hmm. finals MVPs, it is an otherworldly list of legends with the exception of one player, Andre Iguodala. Everybody wants to say, hey, yep. well, Andre Iguodala did it. Who's the next guy? Uh, well, there was literally nobody else since 2009. I mean, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant two times in a row. LeBron again, then the Iguodala year. Kawhi Leonard on the Spurs. LeBron James twice on the Heat. Dirk Nowitzki and Kobe Bryant twice. You know, it's literally one time has an Andre Iguodala situation yep. happened. So um, I would caution against going too far down that board. It would be for me at this point, if I'm taking a stab, uh, I would prefer Chris Paul over Devin Booker at this point because of the superstar mm-hmm. status and kind of being a media And it's darling. voted on by humans. Yeah, I was going to say, and it's voted on by humans. And we know that there's a narrative that this is Chris Paul's first finals appearance and all the stuff like that. And so I'm, I'm kind of with yeah. you that if there is a way to give it to him, they will give it to him. Now, his he had his first good game in a long time uh, in the game, in the clincher for them. And so he had been pretty pedestrian up to that. Now, maybe he just uh, feels a little bit healthier. Maybe he just needed to shake off a little bit of rust of being gone uh, for all that time. Well, not only with him clinching and getting into the finals and they had some days off, but then him also having to sit due to the COVID protocol and all that. So, you know, maybe he just needed to shake off a little bit of rust. But I, I'm with you. I think that the narrative angle is there. I think the people want it to be Chris Paul. I think he's fairly universally liked as well because, you know, and so it's not one of those things where people would have a tough... At least by the media. Yeah, like, I don't think they'd have a tough time voting for him, you know, with all this. And so, yeah, I, I definitely think that he is rightfully the favorite. And, you know, if you're if you're looking at this, is he going to win it the majority of the time? I think the answer is yes. I guess we, when we look at Middleton and him being 16 to one, do we say, does Middleton win this one every 15 times, right? Are we going to make money here is if this is played out 15 different times, is there a chance that Middleton wins? And I think, you know, I think this is probably yes, actually. Like, I think if, you know, if we played this, this series out 15 times, would Middleton end up, you know, the MVP one in 15 times? Probably, yeah. So I think I'd lean to that being at least a bet to have in the account and you could feel like you weren't making a a silly bet anyway. Here's an interesting question for you. You said, you know, if you didn't have that Suns bet already, uh, maybe some speculative fun money on the Hawks six to one to win the title. Uh, Or would you prefer Trey Young seven to one to win finals MVP? Because for me, if the Hawks pull this off, I don't see any way they do it without Trey Young just absolutely going NBA Jam style on fire. Yeah, I mean, that's true. He would he would pretty much have to do the whole 35 a night thing, because I think we've I think we've looked at this Hawks team and seen the inconsistencies enough. There's a reason why Trey is seven to one. And then the next closest guy is bogey, who's a hundred to one, you know, like like there's a reason for that. Right. The inconsistencies from these players night in night in and night out from this Hawks team has been, you know, maddening because you, you you just get 
you know, you never know who that number two guy is going to be for them. So and Bogey's banged up too. Right, right. So yeah, I'm actually you're you're probably right. I mean, you're, you're getting a little bit more. You're getting a little bit better money if you take Trey Young as opposed to the Hawks at uh, at six to one. You just take Trey Young at seven to one because he they're certainly not going anywhere if he doesn't if he doesn't play. Um, and the MVP is going to go to the winner, the the winning team. So uh, yeah, and we're both agreed. We're both agreed that we wouldn't absolutely not go deeper than Chris Middleton at 16 oh, yeah. one at BetMGM. And that's only dependent on Giannis's status. Uh, yeah. and, and we'll see what we know going in. Uh, and I do think that the Suns are not unbeatable in this NBA finals. And, and part of the reason for that is uh, if you look at their, their pace ratings in this postseason. Uh, their pace rating is lower in this postseason than the slowest team from the NBA regular season. Mm-hmm. So when you're playing at that slow of a pace, that does open up a little bit more variance on a game to game basis with fewer possessions. So um, it's certainly not unthinkable that the Suns could lose the NBA finals. Yeah, no. And I mean, listen, they just they played one of the worst games they played one of the worst games that a team has actually won in the playoffs in history. I mean, it was an 84 to 80 game that they won. They played absolutely pathetic and they just lucked out that the Clippers played even worse in that game. But I mean, like they played horrible. And and so th- they are not above, you know, going out and laying an egg and, and throwing up a couple of duds. And then you throw in that maybe one of these teams could just beat them on a, any given night. Yeah. They're, they're certainly not invincible here by any stretch of the imagination. So I am, uh, I'm with you there, but boy, this has been, I know that people are saying this is going to be a, a year with an asterisk and it, look, there's something to just surviving as well and having the depth and being able to, to move on and, and still survive, you know, either an injury or a COVID or whatever, whatever it might be. So I don't know if I necessarily buy into this. I do think though, when this is all said and done, Stephen, we're going to talk about the, the, the NBA champion from this season and every, every single time it's going to go. But if you remember, everyone was hurt that year. Like, I think everyone is going to, you know, like I think we're, I mean, we're five years down the road, 10 years down the road. We're going to look back and we're going to say like, Oh yeah, the sun's won or whatever the, you know, the Hawks won that year. But if you remember, everyone was hurt that year. Like, you know, I think there always will be that caveat when people are talking about this season. Yeah. Or like, if Kevin Durant had a, a size 13 shoe, then he would have had a three pointer and they would have won the series right. and went to the Eastern conference finals. Right. So it's just a strange year, my friend, good year for long shots. It is. It is definitely a good year for long shots. Uh, real quick on the tennis side of things. I know we don't talk a ton of tennis here, but just some, some interesting kind of uh, some interesting Things happened here early on over at Wimbledon. Um, what we did see, saw one of the very top seeds in Tsitsipas lose in the first round on the men's side of things. We saw Serena Williams have to withdraw on the women's side of things because of uh, an injury. There was some court issues that have been going on at the at, at the All England Club over there and had a few different people kind of complain about what's going on over there and and trying to figure out, you know, why is the court a little bit more slippery than it has been in the past, et cetera, et cetera. Um, listen, I had a pre-tournament bet on Djokovic without any real data. Cause remember this tournament wasn't played last year. We haven't seen people play on a very, 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 very short grass season this year as well before the tournament came around. So not a lot of data to pull from. So I just went with the best player in the world. So you like, I just like, listen, here's the thing. 
yeah, I had to pay. I mean, I had to late minus 125. I mean, we're talking about a guy going into a tournament, have to win several, several, several matches, and I had to lay minus 125 on him to win the whole tournament. But when, if, if given the choice here with the lack of data, I just said, hey, look, give me the best player in the world who's in great form, who's just coming off a win, I'll, I'll take it. Yeah, and, and uh, he's even longer now at, at BetMGM. He is a minus 165 uh, favorite over the field right now in, in futures. So uh, that would be yeah. my question to you, given what you've seen with the grass issues and, and um, your concerns there. Uh, you, would you still ride Djokovic at this point, or would you try and, and hit somebody else here? Because uh, other than Medvedev, you're getting 10 to 1 or longer on literally everybody else. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, I have a hard time pulling the trigger on anybody but Djokovic like right now. I think that this is now could a guy like Berrettini who has a, a massive serve, could he kind of just catch fire or something and, and serve his way to the championship on grass? Because, again, we know how fast grass plays and it, it really, really, really benefits these bomb servers. Yeah. You know, like, Yeah. But um, I just don't see I just don't see it happening. And I think even at that price, I would still probably if I didn't have a bet already in the count, I'd still probably play Djokovic because that's how much uh, confidence I have in him. Now, on the women's side of things, I have literally zero confidence. I have no idea what is going on over there in the least bit. And so for me, uh, I have not I don't have a single futures bet on the women's side. I haven't even bet a single match on the uh, on the women's side either so that is a complete uh coin flip to me maybe after i see a, another round of play maybe i'll come in on someone that i just think looks in an awesome form or something but for me uh i probably was going to pull i, I probably would have played osaka pre-tournament had she decided to play this tournament but she she didn't she withdrew before we even got started so outside of that man women's side i'll just uh I'll just enjoy the matches. Yeah, I'm looking at uh, women's futures odds right now for uh, Wimbledon and just trying to see if there's any value with past winners out there. And, um, you know, it's it's tough to find much. Uh, it's, it's you know, there's it's a crapshoot right now. So I, I will be the first to admit tennis is not my expertise. Uh, so I'm going to defer to you yeah. on this one, my friend. On the uh, hockey side of things, the Tampa Bay Lightning have now taken a two to nothing lead over the Montreal Canadiens. Montreal Canadiens with a massive upset of the Vegas Golden Knights and um, came into this series with much shorter odds. There were a lot of people, I think, that the books just adjusted because they really understood that with the variance that comes with hockey in the first place and then also people's willingness to take the big long shots, uh, the all the money was coming in on the Canadians. There was hardly any Vegas money that was getting played out there. And sure enough, the Canadians get it home and it's done. So, well, now here we are Canadians down to nothing. It's eight to one lightning minus 1250 on that, on that, uh, on that futures, on that futures for the series. If you look at the series lines here and there's over under on the total games played uh, a sweep, which would be under four and a half right now. A sweep is at plus plus one seventy. I think that I've talked to a bunch of hockey guys. Now, Stephen, you just gave the caveat. I'm I will also give the caveat. I am not a I'm not a huge hockey guy at all, but I've talked to a couple of people who are. They think that maybe the magic for the Canadians has run out um, running into this Tampa Bay Lightning team and this Tampa Bay Lightning team was a a much, much better squad top to bottom. And um, 
so what I, I did, I did bet this. I bet the series before it started. I actually bet a sweep and I also bet a 4-1 outcome in favor of the Lightning as well. And I think so far through two games, it's shown that they are, they are definitely the superior team. But, you know, hockey can be weird. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, what we do know in, in any best of seven situation is when a team goes down 2-0, you're going to get their best fight in game three. So um, so we'll see about that. Uh, but, you know, I, I've I followed a decent amount of, of hockey betters going into this series, and most of them mm-hmm. were agreed in the fact that they thought with all of the Canadian steam that had happened and their big run coming into this series, uh, that there there was actually value on Tampa at the start of the series, despite you having to lay, I think, around minus 250 to 300. Um, they thought that without the run Montreal made, if you just went by um, a, a larger sample of the regular season, Tampa should have been an even bigger favorite than that. So they felt the value was actually on Tampa, despite the the juice going into this series. And, and so far, they have been... Um, you know, they have been made to look pretty right right now, two games into the series. So I was just looking on BetMGM to see if you could get some value uh, on a spread bet for the series. And uh, that's gone, too. I mean, Tampa Bay minus one and a half games in the series is is minus 550. Um, but like you said, if you want if you think they're going to win in four or five games, you can get minus two and a half at minus 190 odds for Tampa Bay at Ben MGM. So um, that's just you banking on that they're going to win two out of the next three games in this series. Speaking of our buddies over at Bet MGM, we'll be back real quick to see what they have going on over with their MLB uh, MVP odds, Cy Young odds, things like that after a quick word from our friends over at Bet MGM. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. So, Stephen, we have a very interesting kind of development here over in the MVP odds. We've seen this really massively shift. And now Shohei Otani on the AL side of things, sitting at minus 145 favorite to win the AL MVP. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. plus 120. And everybody else after that, 40 to 1 or longer. I would say that it is definitely a two-person race as we sit right now. And I don't know if there's enough ground and enough time you know, for any of these guys to catch up because of the massive, massive numbers that we're getting from Otani and Guerrero. Now, that being said, Otani goes out and has one of his worst pitching performances in, you know, since the first month of the season. The problem with Otani, whenever we were talking about him on the pitching side of things, and 
if you've listened to this podcast or have followed me on social media or have listened to me anywhere, you are well aware that I'm team hashtag just let him hit. I do not want him pitching at all, but um, they in, they are intent on putting him back out there to to pitch for whatever reason that might be. Uh, he goes out yesterday and is unable to get out of the first inning. And with that, I mean, it really does make you wonder, one, are they even doing what's best for the team? Because they have to get rid of the DH at that point. So now they had a pitcher, you know, the, the they have a pitcher slot in American League games that had to that had to hit the that, that were had to hit, you know, and that's just an, an unbelievably unfortunate uh, deal. So he goes two thirds of an inning, gives up seven earned. He walked four in those two thirds of an inning. Um, Otani gets yanked, and so I'm wondering, I'm if if we kind of look at this. I mean, I I get it. You're only getting plus one twenty on Vlad. If we're going by hitting stat, if we're going by hitting stats alone, Otani should still be right there and should still be should still be, you know, probably the favorite even after he goes and clubs two homers two days ago as well and has the major league lead in home runs. That said, could he do enough damage to his case, even if he continues this torrid pace at the plate, could he do enough damage with what he's doing on the hill that would put Vlad out in the lead and out in the lead by enough margin where you'd feel comfortable betting him? His dual threat capabilities are his entire argument right now. I mean, the his hitting is awesome and it's it's up there with Vlad, but let's not forget what we've talked about at length since spring training when it comes to these awards and how baseball voters in particular have been voting on them in recent years. They are very uh, analytically driven, very mindful of saber metrics. Um, and you have a hard time finding any time in the past six years where an MVP wasn't in the top two in war. Uh, and right now, as we record this, um, yes, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Shohei Otani are tied in total war at 4.6. But if you look at their primary war, Vlad is at 4.6. Shohei is at 3.4. So that shows at least the difference analytically uh, that despite the awesome highlights and the home runs from Shohei. Vlad is has been the superior offensive player uh, for the entirety of this season. So if you take away the pitching from Shohei and he's not putting up solid pitching numbers, now it's just an apples to apples argument at that point. Mm -hmm. The whole mysticism and legend status of the next Babe Ruth goes away and now it's a much easier comparison and that awesome storyline that could sway voters uh, is is less the case at that point. So absolutely, I, I understand where you're coming from. I see where the value would be in that argument to find the best number on Vlad. We're both agreed that it's one of these two guys at this point. It's not going to be somebody else uh, over, the, over the second half of this season, barring injury. Uh, so yes, I, I certainly can can understand the argument for plus money on Vlad uh, with the war situation that we're in for both of these guys. The NL MVP has now shifted to where DeGrom is the favorite at plus 115, Tatis at plus 160, Acuna 4-1. to one. Man, you can still get Castellanos at 30-1, to one, and that is at least fairly interesting to me. Uh, when you take a look at what Castellanos has done, and like this is one of those things where – 
yes, I understand that there is otherworldly stuff being done by DeGrom. You're never going to hear me talk ill of him. If you listen to this podcast before the season started, I had very few futures bets. One of the ones that was in my account was DeGrom to win the Cy Young because I was like, this seems like it's free money. They were giving us, what were they giving us, four and a half or five to one? Something like that, Stephen. It was four and a half or five yeah, to it was one. Four, it was er, early it was five to one. Around the week yeah. before opening day, it was down to four to one. Yeah, so it felt like free money. That one's in the account. Listen, I, I love him. I think he's amazing. Don't, don't get me wrong. But... You know, you look at what Castellanos is doing for the Reds. The Reds also are still within striking distance of that division. I think that the Brewers are certainly catchable. I don't think that they're infallible either. And you go and you look and you're like, Castellanos, as we approach the all-star break here, has has hit 16 homers. He has 27 doubles. He has a 396 OBP because he is sitting there and he is actually taking walks, which by the way, he has one of the lower K percentages of guys with power these days, only striking out 20.6% of the time. And if you know anything about the K rates of today, that is absolutely, uh, absolutely awesome for a power hitter. And for me, I, I just still think at 30 to one that I would like to have a Castellanos ticket at these prices as we sit right now. Acuna has slowed down, though he did hit a home run yesterday, but he is he has slowed down a little bit. Tatis is a real like a spurt guy, right? Like he he kind of like is quiet and then goes on a run for three days where he hits like seven home runs or something, whatever. So like he he's he's gonna be in the mix until the very end. But I am wondering how how eager people are going to be to give the Cy Young and the MVP to a pitcher still, whether he deserves it or not. Yeah, our, our uh, fantastic new senior writer, Mo Nawara, has a great in-depth piece on Jacob deGrom and uh, what he would have to do to win the MVP as a pitcher in the National League. Going back decades worth of situations, not only comparing the previous pitchers that have done it, but also uh, what the hitters in that season did to allow a pitcher to win the MVP. So I would invite everybody to go check that out at thelines.com. What I will tell you, Matt, is that uh, I'll go back to the wins above replacement for past National League MVPs. And in terms of total war, uh, this is where each of the past six NL MVPs ranked in overall war. First, 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 first. And then if you look <laughs> at offensive war, uh, the past six NL MVPs, second, second, first, 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 first. So these voters are tuned in to these advanced statistics when they're making their votes and their picks at the end of the year. And as we sit here right now going into the second half of the season, it is Jacob deGrom in terms of Fangraph's total war leading all National League players in total war. Um, now, I will also say I do share your opinion with Castellanos. I think that there is potentially a path there for him, given how high his batting average is and how awesome his OPS is. He plays in a, in a hitter-friendly ballpark as well. Uh, but he is right now at the start of July, uh, clearly behind DeGrom, Tatis Jr., and Acuna in that war metric. He's also behind Trey Turner 
of the Nationals. So uh, he's actually tied with Trey Turner of the Nationals in terms of overall war. So uh, the numbers are, are solid. They are fantastic. But in terms of the advanced statistics, he still has some work to do to catch those top three guys in DeGrom, Tatis Jr., and Acuna Jr. When we look at the Cy Young on the AL side of things, again, DeGrom has this, unless he just, unless he didn't pitch again the rest of the season, like it's he's got this. injury so, at this point. Yeah, the yeah, only yeah. Path. And like, even then, I think somebody, they, they still might vote for him with how dominant he was. Yeah. So let's look at the AL side. Garrett Cole is still the favorite at minus 160. Then you get Rodon at three to one. You get Lynn at five and a half to one. Now, Bieber's been hurt. He's probably uh, out of it. Glass now, same deal, probably out of it. Um, Giolito at 40 to one is, is out there as well. But but I want to hone in here on Rodon and Lynn and then kind of take you through Garrett Cole here. Now, everyone knows about what's been going on with the spin rate stuff and how that has been of uh, of. Uh, basically the the top story in baseball as we look right now so since june so all of all of garrett cole's june starts and this was when the memos were kind of starting to come out and this was when the they were talking about what may or may not be the punishment for for getting caught for stuff like this so steven he's had five starts in june or he did have five starts in june today being july the first a four six five ERA gave up nine homers in five starts as well. Um, look, these are very, very, very un Garrett Cole like numbers. He was also one of the ones that a unknown, you know, unnamed source gave a very specific substance that he possibly was using and all of that to get a better grip of the ball and whatever. And so for me, when I kind of look at this like his swinging strikes are way down from what they were as well like I kind of like one of these other guys if I was going to be better I don't think Garrett Cole especially at minus money minus 160 is anything I would ever put any money on right now 100% agree with you um, his first eight starts this year he was averaging more than 13 strikeouts per nine innings Last eight starts down to just a little over nine strikeouts per nine innings. So it's mm. clearly had an effect for whatever reason, whether it's mentally or just the physical substance that he's not using anymore. Um, it, this is a, a prime situation where you have an odds on favorite who's favored over the field here in American League Cy Young voting. And a team that is struggling as well. I mean, they are having a hard, mm. they're in fourth place as we record this right now in the American League East, eight and a half games behind the Red Sox. So uh, they are, they are not, they might not even be in contention. Right. And then you could have a situation where they shut him down and he loses starts on top of it. So this is a great situation for us to try and take a shot on somebody else on the board. And, um, Rodon at three to one. You know, if you're looking at total war right now among uh, American League pitchers, you know, you have Shohei up there, but that's slanted from his offensive numbers. Uh, but the rest of this group out there, you have Nathan Eovaldi at 2.9 total war, Carlos Rodon tied with him at that 2.9 total war, just slightly ahead of Garrett Cole. And again, yeah. the voters are looking at these advanced statistics. So, um, yeah, there's that's 
that's not a bad path to take to try and take a shot on Rodon. Um, you know, and if you look at his advanced stats, it's like it doesn't it's not one of these things where we're like, oh, well, regression is definitely coming. Right. Because like people are going to say, dude, he's got a two point oh six ERA. This is Carlos Rodon. But then you, his expected ERA, two point five four. His Sierra, two point eight five. Like it's it's not even one of those things where it's like, oh, he's been so incredibly fortunate. This is definitely going to regress like the 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 forward looking uh, stats as well even show that he is that that he's been this good and his like you know his swinging strikes are way up from his career average he just he's figured things out and mainly he's not putting people on base for free anymore like he walked people at a ridiculous rate i mean if you look at his 2020 three and a half walks per nine if you look at his 2019 4.4 walks per nine he's down to 2.7 this year walks per nine for him and so um i don't know man i i I think I might sprinkle a little bit on Rodon and and feel pretty good about it. Again, like he could fall off a cliff. That's that could definitely happen because, you know, Carlos Rodon, we have a pretty decent history with him. That being said, it seems like he figured something out. And again, the advanced statistics back up the fact that it does not look like the wheels coming off is just is is just uh, is something that's going to happen no matter what. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out why Evaldi is tied with him right now in primary war, considering that uh, he has an ERA of 367. Uh, if you look at his splits, ERA of 363 in April, 4.5 in May, and 3.0 in June. I mean, it must be that he's striking out a decent amount of pitchers. Uh, but that's a situation where I would skew away from the war and just kind of look at what voters are also going to look at. Um so that Rodon, I, I don't know if I would take the shot on Eovaldi at 66 to one, uh, even though the war numbers have him up there over at Fangraphs. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Rodon would be a pretty, I mean, with what we know about Garrett Cole right now, if we only looked at his last eight starts and then looked at Rodon's starts, no way in hell would Garrett Cole be a minus 160 favorite mm-hmm. for AL Cy Young right now. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you. I think that's a, I think. I think it's as good a number as you're going to get on Rodon in in a while because you know again the the what's going on with Garrett Cole is only going to be uh, is only going to be exacerbated by the more starts that happen here and actually as we're recording this Carlos Rodon is on the hill for the White Sox he's gone three innings struck out five and lowered his ERA to one point nine eight so <laughs> there we go like it's you know he's having another great start as we're recording this right now so. Uh, again, for me, that's where my money would head. Uh, definitely keep you updated on any sort of what may or may not be in the uh, in the cards here for these futures odds and how they continue to change. But really interesting stuff. Again, the National League, it's it's going to be DeGrom unless he, you know, again, doesn't pitch another inning the rest of the year. But that's that doesn't seem very likely. So uh, if you got the bankroll minus 500, I mean, you know. <laughs> some people would say some people would say free money is free money. Right. I mean, like some people would say, OK, yeah, I'll put a thousand in. I, I'm going to win 200. But, um, you know, that's not everyone's cup of tea. That's not everyone's deal with bankrolls and things like that. So just be smart with whatever you're doing from a bankroll side of things and don't uh, don't get crazy. Uh, Steven, you said that we put up a couple of uh, articles as we close things out here, a couple of interesting articles over at the lines as well about some passing props. Yeah, absolutely. Um, We have two new articles up uh, that we're starting to look at some NFL season long passing yardage props that have have come out. Uh, We are starting with Tom Brady and Patrick Mahomes. 
there have only been about a dozen players in NFL history who have thrown for 5,000 yards. And with the extra game, that's what now where Patrick Mahomes is being <laughs> projected to uh, to go this right. year. And it's just amazing. Right. And he did, does actually have a 5,000 yard season on his resume in a 16 game season already. So um, Monoir and Brett Gibbons look at both Mahomes and Tom Brady. They give you a case for the over and a case for the under. And then you get to decide which case is better uh, for this season. So really interesting cases for both of those guys, just with how astronomical Mahomes over under is. And also Tom Brady's number being set at a number lower than the amount of passing yards he had last year with the Bucs. Plus he gets an extra game this year. So is that too good to be true or is that just an easy over that we should bet? So we, we lay out the case on both sides. Yeah, it's a uh, it's an interesting it's an interesting deal. I've looked at a couple of projection systems that literally have him right there, like some like like forty nine fifty five and stuff like that. Like you know, like literally like right on that number as far as being projected. I mean, the weird thing in this is you know with the extra game, will they be more cautious as far as resting players? That's something we don't know yet. Cause we haven't experienced a 17 game NFL season. Now with there only being one by, do they have to keep their foot on the gas because you want to be, be sure and secure the, the single buy that's out there. So there, there's still a lot of questions to be answered with this thing as well, which is something that I've, uh, that's why I've been a little hesitant to play any of these markets or pull the trigger. One, you know, you're locking your money up for for six months or eight right. months or whatever. But uh, but the other thing is just with the with this being the first 17 game season, I might actually be very, very, uh, very light in the futures market to see how these teams deal with that with that because here's the other thing is, OK, I'm just assuming the Chiefs are going to be in the driver's seat for that one seed, but you know, what if they're not? And what if there's no way that they can secure it? That's even more reason to sit Patrick Mahomes, right? Like that's, that's like even more reason to rest him and not take a chance on him getting injured because you're going to need him for the playoff run and stuff. And so for me, it's just a little, it's a little tough. For me, when I'm, when I'm looking at whether to bet an over or an under in one of these passing markets, um, I think a good thing to remember is that you should really be projecting and deciding on what side of the projection to go on uh, with with 16 games. Like you can never mm-hmm. assume that they're going to play all 17 games. So it's it's a good practice to just take that number and look at it with one less game that's on the schedule in case one of these guys misses an injury for whatever reason. And Mahomes, that's been the case. Um, and both of these teams and players in particular, like you said, are in prime position to potentially just sit out a game at the end of the year that is meaningless for them. Uh, whether it's because they have the one seed or because uh, there is no difference between being the two, three, or four seed, really, mm-hmm. you're going to get a, a you're going to have to play in the first round, and you're going to get a home game. So there's really not much of a difference there. So, um, so th- that's that's another reason to never project for 17 games at this point, even with quarterbacks. Yeah, it is. Uh, I am certainly, I'm certainly probably going to be more of an uh, an observer this year than I have been in years past. But again, that article, uh, a couple of those articles up over at the lines as well. We take a look at, you know, of course, we're keeping you updated on the Stanley Cup stuff. We're keeping you updated on all the other futures markets, things that you can that you can bet out there. And listen, the football content is going to start coming 
in bunches here. We are not that far away. I mean, Steven, when you take a look, I mean, we're like you know, 60, some 60, high 60s, low 70 days away from uh, the us getting real games. I mean, preseason games will be here before we even know it, but, but before us getting actual real action on the field and stuff. So, I mean, it's uh, it's it's about to be here. Cannot wait, man. I mean, I, I'm starting to schedule fantasy football drafts with my high school buddies. Um, oh, boy. I cannot wait, man. We, and we're, we, uh, yeah, we, we find awesome places to do it, man, all around Philadelphia. So I can't <laughs> wait for that. It's like a it's like a high school reunion every year. Um, so and, and on top of that, I just want to mention with the Brady and the Mahomes articles, we've had so much content this week on the site that they aren't on the homepage anymore. But if you just go to the search bar on the lines.com and search for mm-hmm. Mahomes or search for Brady, the articles will come right up for you. So you can always use that function. It's an awesome feature on our site if you're looking for content on a specific player. Yeah, so much, so much stuff going up these days that it's uh it's it's hard to keep stuff at the top of the at the top of the board there. But again, search function gets you there. Don't worry about that at all. Uh, guys, be sure and follow uh, follow us on the Twitter machine. It's absolutely free, so just smash on the button at Matt Brown M two at Stephen Andrus one. Go in and follow our main accounts as well, and then head over to the YouTube page. It, actually, you can just head to the lines.com right there on the front page. There's a big YouTube button. Click on that thing. It'll take you to our YouTube page. Subscribe to that. We're putting up a lot of content on there. Tons of content. Of course, everything we do on all of our platforms is absolutely free. So uh, we would love to have you along for the ride as we continue to uh, to grow this. Up and hopefully make everyone some money along the way. For Steven, I'm Matt. Talk to you guys next week. <laughs>